Hello and welcome to the Talking Techniques podcast, brought to you by Biotechniques. This show brings you the latest from the frontiers of the life sciences, straight from the people exploring them. I'm your host, Biotechniques Senior Editor Tristan Free, and on this episode, supported by the University of Cincinnati, we're speaking to Brenna Carey, an Assistant Professor at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center and an expert in rare diseases and pharmacogenomics. Coming up, Brenna will guide us through the fields of rare diseases and pharmacogenomics, focusing on the condition of pulmonary alveolar proteinosis, touching on the key developments in these fields and the essential techniques used to interrogate them. Another technique we use is an enzyme-linked immunosorbent assay, otherwise known as an ELISA, that we use to measure the GMCSF autoantibody levels and identify those patients with autoimmune PAP. Find out how Brenner's work has helped tackle the rare condition of pulmonary alveolar proteinosis. We have developed in vitro tests to evaluate GMCSF signaling in a patient's blood specimen. And the importance of pharmacogenomics in the development of therapeutics for rare diseases. And that selection of genetically supported targets doubles the success rate in the clinical development programs. And data has shown that genetically supported targets are more likely to be successful. So, Rena, why don't you tell us about your experience in the investigation of rare diseases? Thank you, Tristan. I appreciate this opportunity to talk about my research and my experience in the field of pharmacogenomics. So I have worked for 21 years at Cincinnati Children's Hospital, where I have studied rare lung diseases to understand the pathogenesis, the molecular pathogenesis, and develop therapeutics for these patients. I've also recently become um, the director for the Pharmacogenomics and Personalized Healthcare Online Graduate Program at the University of Cincinnati. So I look forward to, you know, taking this opportunity to combine my experience with rare diseases and the field of pharmacogenomics. So my research has primarily focused on a rare lung disease called pulmonary alveolar proteinosis, otherwise known as PAP. But I also have experience in research for other rare lung diseases, such as alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency, lymphangiolyomyomatosis, and Hermansky-Pudlak syndrome through the Rare Lung Diseases Consortium. My primary responsibility is to lead one of three laboratories in the United States that performs clinical research testing for individuals with primary PAP, either autoimmune or hereditary. Primary PAP is caused by a loss of signaling of the cytokine granulocyte macrophage colony stimulating factor, also known as GMCSF. We have developed in vitro tests to evaluate GMCSF signaling in a patient's blood specimen. One test allows us to detect autoantibodies to GMCSF in the blood. These autoantibodies are associated with autoimmune PAP and account for 90% of cases of PAP. Another test allows us to evaluate how well a patient's blood cells respond to stimulation with GMCSF. The presence of these GMCSF autoantibodies in the blood from a patient with autoimmune PAP block GMCSF signaling. We've also identified genetic mutations in the receptor for GMCSF, and these tests allow us to um, determine if a patient has altered GMCSF binding and signaling. In addition to these tests that we have developed that help us identify patients through our clinical research testing program, I also lead clinical research studies to develop therapies for patients with both autoimmune and hereditary PAP. We have currently have trials ongoing for both indications. Fantastic. And can you tell us about some of the techniques that you use to uh, study and investigate the pathogenesis of these rare diseases? We have several different 
um, techniques that we use to investigate pathogenesis of these diseases. One of those techniques is the use of mouse models of the human disease. In the field of PAP, mice deficient in GMCSF signaling, and there are several models, um, develop a lung disease that's identical to PAP in humans. And so we have utilized this mouse model or these mouse models to understand the pathology of the human disorder and to evaluate the tolerability, safety, and efficacy of drug candidates for primary PAP. Another technique we use is an enzyme-linked immunosorbent assay, otherwise known as an ELISA, that we use to measure the GMCSF autoantibody levels and identify those patients with autoimmune PAP. Cytokines are proteins that control the growth and proliferation and activity of immune cells and blood cells. In patients with rare diseases, many of these cytokines might be abnormally expressed in blood and lung fluid. So we also use an ELISA to measure these cytokines and look at different biomarkers of these um, rare lung diseases. We also utilize in vitro cell culture assays, fluorescently labeled antibodies, and flow cytometry to perform our GMCSF signaling assay in blood cells. And lastly, we also do um, genetic sequencing of genes of interest, um, particularly the GMCSF receptor that has two chains, an alpha chain and a beta chain, that help us to identify the exact mutation that these patients have um, to understand the pathogenesis of their disease. Fantastic. And then how does this work tie into the development of diagnostics and therapeutics for these conditions? So pulmonary alveolar proteinosis, or PAP, is a rare disease that's characterized by the progressive accumulation of surfactant proteins and lipids in the alveoli of lungs. And the accumulation of this material commonly results in shortness of breath, other pulmonary symptoms such as chest pain and cough, and increased risk of infection, and in rare cases, death. In 1994, a mouse deficient in GMCSF was created to evaluate the effects of GMCSF on blood cell development. Instead of a blood cell disorder, these mice developed a rare lung disease that was identical to the PAP seen in patients. This led investigators to hypothesize that PAP could be caused by a loss of this GMCSF functioning. In 1999, an investigator, Dr. Ko Nakata in Japan, observed that GMCSF-specific autoantibodies in patients with what was then known as idiopathic PAP, that these antibodies were present in these patients, but they were not present in patients that had other forms of PAP, other lung diseases, or healthy controls. The discovery of these GMCSF-specific autoantibodies led to the development of the diagnostics for this disease, this ELISA, for the GMCSF autoantibodies. And we are working with the PAP Foundation, as well as pharmaceutical companies, to educate patients and pulmonary physicians about this blood test to minimize the number of patients that undergo the more invasive and less diagnostic procedure or lung biopsy. The confirmation that autoimmune PAP was caused by an antibody to GMCSF led investigators to hypothesize that we could replace GMCSF in these patients um, and maybe reverse some of this lung pathology that they had. So there have been several case reports and retrospective studies that have shown that um, GMCSF therapy or recombinant human GMCSF therapy improves clinical outcomes and that it's safe and well tolerated. In the last three to four years, two blinded, randomized, placebo-controlled clinical trials have shown that inhaled GMCSF is safe and well tolerated. A third global phase three blinded, randomized, controlled trial is currently underway.
therefore identifying the mechanism of autoimmune PAP, these GMCSF autoantibodies, led to the hypothesis that recombinant human GMCSF could be a promising pharmacotherapeutic approach for autoimmune PAP. And it inhaled recombinant human GMCSF is being evaluated for safety and efficacy in clinical trials and is used by many patients off-label. Um, uh, and so you, you also head up the pharmacogenomics and personalized healthcare master's degree course um, online at the University of Cincinnati. Um, how does your work in, in rare diseases and the, um, the, their pathogenesis and those sort of therapeutic developments tie into the topic of pharmacogenomics um, and personalized medicine? So a rare disease in the United States is defined by the 1983 Orphan Drug Act as a condition that affects fewer than 200,000 people. Analogous legislation introduced through the European Union in 2000 considers a disease to be rare if it affects one in 2,000 people. So there are estimated to be 7,000 different rare diseases, of which 72% of those diseases are known to be um, genetic disorders. Pharmacogenomics is the study of how one's genes affect a person's response to the drugs. So more specifically, the study of genomic technologies enables the discovery and development of novel drugs. Um, it also enables the optimization of drug dosing and drug choice in patients in order to minimize toxicity and maximize efficacy of that medication. So genetic variations or polymorphisms may affect how a person responds to drugs. So such as variations in drug metabolizing enzymes and drug transporting enzymes, which impacts the pharmacokinetics of the drug, which is what the body does to the drug. Variations in drug target genes also impact the pharmacodynamics of the drug, which is what the drug does to the body. Pharmacogenomics and personalized healthcare has impacted several disease areas, mainly in oncology, but also in cardiology, psychiatry, neurology, and pain management. Pharmacogenomics and personalized healthcare is also important in defining the safety, tolerability, and efficacy of drugs in individuals from different racial and ethnic backgrounds. So pharmacogenomics and personalized healthcare links directly with rare disease research as scientists, doctors, patient advocacy groups, and families work to understand the cause or the mechanism of the rare disease, some of which are genetic, to develop and discover therapies to treat these diseases and optimize the drug dose and give the patients choices in case there are complications or adverse drug reactions, and then optimize those treatments for patients. The NIH-supported program, Therapeutics for Rare and Neglected Diseases, TREND, is a congressionally mandated program for the preclinical and early clinical development of new drug entities for rare diseases. And we have worked with TREND to support our research and our development of inhaled recombinant um, human GMCSF for patients with autoimmune PAP. But also through TREND, the NIH supports the development of gene-based therapies targeting rare and inherited diseases. And what are some of the cutting-edge techniques um, in the lab that are being used currently to break new ground in pharmacogenomics? So cutting-edge techniques in pharmacogenomics um, involve identifying molecular targets for therapeutic interventions, so therefore understanding the mechanism of the disease. Also, identifying genetic markers that correlate with drug responses by looking at the drug um, metabolism, enzymes, drug transporters, and also encouraging the development of therapies that target gene-based disease programs. 
Within the pharmacogenomics and personalized healthcare master's degree program at the University of Cincinnati, we offer core courses that cover the foundational knowledge of cellular metabolism, biologic information processing, human genetics, and biostatistics. We also present the principles of pharmacogenomics, review clinical applications of pharmacogenomics, and discuss careers in pharmacogenomics. In addition to these core classes, students can choose to focus their studies in a specific track, either advanced pharmacogenomics, drug development, or pharmacy leadership. The advanced pharmacogenomics courses allow students to delve deeper into the field of pharmacogenomics with a focus on cancer genomics, nutrition and exercise, and also the implementation of pharmacogenomics. The drug development courses allow students to learn about the preclinical IND enabling studies, as well as to get more information on specific phases of clinical trials, such as phase one, phase two, phase three, and phase four clinical trials. And so what are some of the current trends that you see emerging in uh, pharmacogenomics at the moment? So the trends in the field of pharmacogenomics involve um, really delivering personalized medicine to patients and ensuring that you are treating their specific disease and not just the general concept of cancer that you're specific there, that you are treating their specific form of cancer, Um, ensuring that we have high quality diagnostic tests that can predict a drug response, um, as well as defining the process of, you know, getting drug approval as well as approval for these companion diagnostic tests. So our, we have courses, um, in the program, one is advanced pharmacogenomics that provides students with the opportunity to expand their knowledge on pharmacokinetics, as well as to review the scientific literature to take a deeper dive in how pharmacogenomics is used in research and development. Um, and students will both write and prepare oral presentations to defend or dispute that literature to support the development of and the implementation of pharmacogenomics into the clinic. Another course um, is our implementation science course. And so implementation science is how research develop, how researchers bridge the divide that occurs between what is happening in the laboratory and the research and what is happening in the clinic and how the clinical care provided to patients. So in our implementation sciences course, Um, This provides students with the knowledge to accelerate the adoption and integration of these evidence-based practices from the scientific literature and the clinical research studies that are ongoing in order to establish policies and incorporate this information and this research into routine healthcare and public health practice to improve the impact on the population health. Brilliant. And what are some of the sort of key takeaways um, or the essential principles and developments in this field that you would like your students to take away from this program? So essential um, principles in the field of pharmacogenomics is that the study of this genomic technology can aid in the discovery and development of novel drugs, as well as optimize drug dosing um, and choice in patients to minimize toxicity and maximize efficacy of the drugs. So advances in genotyping and sequencing, methods of statistical analysis, as well as clinical trial design and data analysis, have driven the discovery of genetic variation associated with um, drug response. So the drug discovery business is risky and costly, 
It takes 10 to 15 years to get a drug to market, and it typically costs $1.3 billion. And so we're hoping that the use of pharmacogenomics um, can be incorporated into these development programs to reduce that cost and to increase the success of these of drug development. And so there is some early data that shows that pharmacogenomics does increase the success rate of drugs in development and that selection of genetically supported targets doubles the success rate in the clinical development programs. And data has shown that genetically supported targets are more likely to be successful in phase two and phase three clinical trials, therefore supporting the need to understand the mechanism of the disease, um, as well as genetic variation among your patient population in order to develop you know, safe and effective medications. So pharmacogenomics is also important in preventing adverse drug reactions, predicting drug dose, improving efficacy, and predicting the activation of prodrugs. So while research and discovery in this field has been extensive, implementation of pharmacogenomics into the clinical practice has been slow. And this is due to the inability to access testing, perceived lack of clinical utility, a lack of clarity and cost effectiveness, and knowledge on how to interpret the test results that are obtained, as well as worries about disrupting an already taxed healthcare system. There are also concerns about confidentiality and um, also healthcare and additional amplification of healthcare inequalities. So we feel that training in this pharmacogenomics and personalized healthcare master's program at the University of Cincinnati will provide a unique opportunity for students and professionals to gain knowledge about pharmacogenomics and understand the effects of genomics, environment, and patient factors on a drug response, allowing for an individualized therapy and optimal clinical outcomes. This program will also empower students to integrate genomics into patient care, and it opens ample opportunities for employment in academia, the pharmaceutical industry, and direct clinical care. It also provides knowledge of state-of-the-art genomics research, innovative precision medicine approaches, and the implementation of genomic medicine. Fantastic. And and just finally, if there was one thing that you could ask for to improve our understanding of pharmacogenomics and, and how different people are affected by drugs, um, what would it be? So research in pharmacogenomics has increased since the publication of the Human Genome Project in 2001. And these advances have been shown to um, increase the success rate of the development of genetically targeted drugs. There have been multiple programs and consortia funded by academic institutions as well as government agencies um, that have created that have created these programs and consortia that help to bridge this knowledge gap in pharmacogenomics and make it more widely available. So therefore, the overall goal of you know pharmacogenomics and personalized healthcare is to kind of move away from a one-size-fits-all approach to treatment um, to more efficiently develop tolerable, safe, effective medications that are more personalized in their approach um, and that are more specific to the patient's needs. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you, Brenna, so much for joining us on the podcast. Um, It's been wonderful to hear about the history of PAP and how the unfolding of its pathogenesis has led to an improvement in care um, and also how developments in pharmacogenomics and drug discovery covered in your program um, are are working to improve therapeutic options. Um, So thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Well, thank you for this opportunity. 
And if you've enjoyed this episode and would like to find more like it, you can check out the podcast section of our website on www.biotechniques.com or follow at SciTristan on Twitter for regular updates and threads on our latest episodes. Thank you for listening and goodbye.